Our doctor is in, and so are the doctors of Capital Health. Welcome to the all-new Health 411. Every Sunday morning at 10, Dr. Jonathan Karp, along with our respected panel of guests from Capital Health, take you on an important medical journey to help you navigate your health and the healthcare system. To reach your destination, good health. Health 411 is underwritten by Capital Health. Minds advancing medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff, as well as advanced technology. 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 The Bronx. Com, proudly nominated for the last four National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station, as well as a winner of the 2023 IBS College Media Award for universities under 10,000 students. We are broadcasting from the Bronx All Digital Studios on the campus of Ryder University in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Welcome to Health 411. I am your host, Professor Jonathan Karp. Health 411 is presented by Capital Health. In Health 411, we discuss a variety of issues affecting health and wellness, public health, healthcare policy, and the science of health and healthcare. Our goal is to expand your knowledge and your perspective, and hopefully give you something to talk about. Today, Josh Brewer, our student producer, and I are gonna have a conversation. We're gonna talk about direct-to-consumer testing products that are out there. And we welcome you to listen in on our conversation. Hey, Josh, how you doing today? Doing well. Exciting to be here? Oh, yeah. Have you heard about direct-to-consumer testing? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing I think of is like uh, Ancestry, things like that. But they do have the health ones as well. Check your... Yeah, there's a whole bunch of, of, of health... Uh, kind of things that are out there and what these are is direct-to-consumer uh, tests are commercially market, marketed pathology tests um, and things like that directly to the public basically they're tests for anybody who's willing to put out some money and pay for the tests sure some of the tests uh, you just do in your 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 house or apartment uh, maybe like saliva tests or maybe urine tests some of them you collect samples mm -hmm. um, and you send back to a lab um, and, um, and so, and there's, there's, there's different varieties of these things and the market is a huge market. Apparently, um, and we found, we found some reports to say that the, the direct to consumer testing market is hugely expanding in the U S it was an approximately a $15 million a year market in 2010. And the last data we have, it's now a $352 million a year market. Wow. Now, these data from. Um, 2020. So this is this is big stuff. Or this is something that a lot of people are aware of these things. Um, and uh, we're not going to go through individual test products that we have. We've sort of neat. But what stir what sort of stimulated the idea to talk about this on Health 411 was a uh, a review article in the British Medical Journal um, that recently came out here in 2023. And, um, it's a review article that focused, um, in Australia, but the, it's sort of similar to the kind of things that are happening in the United States. And the title of the article for anybody who might be interesting is direct to consumer test advertised online in Australia and their implications for medical overuse, systemic online review and typology of clinical utility. Um, that's a long title that basically said that that some researchers um, uh, uh, from a academic researchers um, from a university in Australia uh, did some online testing. Now, what they did do, this is sort of a cross-sectional study that they did. They took a sort of a short period of time 
uh, over a, a few months to sort of do this study. So it's not a longitudinal study to sort of see how these these trends change. It's not a like a pretest post-test where they've taken a cup, you know, or anything like that. It's a single. They just uh, at a point of point in time, they decided to. Uh, use search engines like Google to um, investigate these direct-to-consumer test advertisements um, that were out there and they sort of organized them and then they evaluated what they were being tested for, what the claims were, and and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's sort of an interesting... Um, it's an interesting paper to sort of talk about. Um, and well, well, before we get into the paper, when you hear the words to direct to consumer testing, have you ever encountered any of those things or seen advertisements for them or been on websites that are selling these things? I see them all over the place. I mean, one thing that's very popular, especially in the weightlifting community, a lot of like at-home testosterone tests, free testosterone, things like that. Um, oh, really? Like, you can buy those tests? Very popular. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, you can okay. send out. You can see they can test like uh, sex hormone blinding globulin, things like that. <laughs> see how much free oh. test you have. Very popular. Yeah. And so so that's that's um, you bring up some, some some interesting thing that sort of fits into the organization of what these people did with the study that they did um, because they organized their direct to consumer test advertisements into four different categories, mm -hmm. which is sort of interesting. One is the a category that said the tests that were direct. And remember, these are not things that you do in a doctor's office. These are not things that you do and the, because the doctor said, oh, you should go test this. These are not things that you mm -hmm. do the test that consult with a doctor. But they organized these direct-to-consumer things into four different categories. One of them was categories um, with things that had potential clinical utility. Mm -hmm. um, one of the categories was something called limited clinical utility. Um, one was non-evidence-based healthcare checks, mm -hmm. that, which is the like the testosterone me measurements that you mentioned go right into that one. Sure. And there's another one, another category was um, um, tests that were testing things that were not recognized by the medical community as being ind indicative of anything, um, any sort of disease state. Mm -hmm. And just a sort of just a point of discussion. Um, <laughs> you won't, you might ask, what are some of the things that are, are in each of these four categories? Um, so I'll sort of tell you, because if you read in the supplement, supplemental stuff, which is uh, more another 25 pages stuff, they talk about the kinds of things that are in each one of those sort of categories. So anybody listening to the program, before we just recite the numbers and talk about it, what it looked like. Category one was the test with potential clinical utility that you can buy. Um, that's like the, 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 the fecal occult blood test mm -hmm. that people might do for like bowel cancer, um, lipoprotein tests for cardiovascular disease. Uh, there's a whole bunch of tests for STDs, mm -hmm. like uh, chlamydia, um, stuff like that, gonorrhea, um, HIV, syphilis, uh, blood cholesterol tests. Now, these are all things that have potential clinical utility mm -hmm. that people can test for at home. Um, these things don't necessarily come, the tests don't necessarily come with any sort of a doctor's evaluation or anything like that. But these are tests that might have some clinical validity if they're done. That's the thing we're going to talk about is how well people actually perform the tests sure. and things like that later on. Um, the category two was the tests with limited clinical utility. Things like that had to do with um, like uh, testing for uh, 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 
APOE, which is one of the uh, markers for like um, Alzheimer's disease uh, testing for rheumatoid factor or some things like uh, glutathione transferase genes for cancer. These things have limited, there's all, like a whole bunch of these things, some of these um, you know, heavy metal exposure um, sort of have the limited kinds of uh, clinical utility. And there's a subgroup of the clinical limited uh, clinical utility tests that test for things like a prothrombin time, a clotting blood test, a mm -hmm. celiac disease test, um, you know, H. pylori kind of test, the creatine test for kidney kind of function, um, kinds of things like this. Uh, that have limited clinical utility in the test. And the third category was the one you talked about, uh, was like testing for testosterone that have sort of like health checks. I've seen a lot of these things, mm -hmm. uh, kinds of things, where it says, you know, we're going to evaluate your health status, do these checks. Sometimes these kind of tests are actually associated with um, what you might want to call legitimate or mainstream um, vitamin supplement kind of companies sure. that will do the send you the kit and then or you send them a sample of something mm -hmm. and then they evaluate it or you do evaluate it and then they prescribe yeah, yeah. The what whole, they want to sell you yeah, yeah. basically a whole <laughs> host of vitamins for you um and everything from bone bone health the coenzyme q10 or cytokine levels or uh you know there's actually a test that'll evaluate uh uh, some of the things, the semen analysis mm -hmm. kind of things, uh, stool analysis. Um, th th these things uh, are basically health checks. You mentioned like testosterone um, kinds of stuff. And the final category, which I think is sort of fascinating because uh, there's a lot of them out there, was the non-evidence-based test with no potential clinical utility. Um, in parentheses, conditions not test uh, uh, conditions contested for are not recognized by the general medical community. Um, and these include things like adrenal fatigue, mm -hmm. which is something that um, um, I had to deal with, with students all the time and the stuff that I teach it doesn't even really exist. Mm -hmm. um, things like uh, intestinal permeability, uh, this, uh, pandas, uh, pandas, which is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders, apparently there's an antibody test, a pyrrole disorder for dermatology. And there's, there's all tests like that that have no clinical utility um and you know it's uh without being too strong you might want to say it's sometimes called quackery sure yeah um, snake oil um yeah kind, <laughs> kind of stuff but that world really exists and the fact that people are studying these things i find fascinating um but we're going to come back and we will talk about this general area and sort of what the research is sort of showing about this area after we break for some underwriting announcements you're listening to 107.7 the bronc and 1077 thebronccom Health 411 Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten by Capital Health. If someone you loved was sick, how far would you go to make sure they got the best care? Your mother, your sister, your best friend, your neighbor, your son? How far would you go for doctors who will meet with you longer so they really get to know you and who collaborate across disciplines so that they can devise a plan of care that's uniquely right for you? There's no doctor too far, no care too distant, that you wouldn't go there. And for more than 100 years, so has Capital Health. From our hospitals in Trenton and Hopewell, to our primary care offices all across Mercer, Bucks, and Burlington counties, to right here at Ryder University, Capital Health has the team of doctors, nurses, experts, specialists, and staff that you can count on to care as much about your loved ones as you do. Because you'd go to the ends of the earth if someone you loved was sick. And so do we, Capital Health. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 
107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Uh, welcome back to Health 411, where we're just recording from the digital Bronx studios. Um, and Josh and I are having a conversation about direct-to-consumer tests. Um, and at the end of the last segment, I sort of listed some of the categories that some researchers from Australia who ran online and sort of started looking at these tests, um, so divided the, um, what did they find? Just under, just under 500, 484 direct-to-consumer tests. Um, and... Uh, uh, and they even talked about the cost of these tests, which we can do, we can do later. But they divided these tests into four different categories. What was sort of interesting about the data that was formulated at this time is that the highest level of um, validity was one what they call tests with potential clinical utility. Mm -hmm. Just about 11 percent of the tests that they found uh, had potential clinical utility. Sure, I found that surprisingly low. Still pretty low. Still yeah. pretty low. Um, e even in the limited clinical utility, about 31 percent mm -hmm. of their of their tests that they found um, had that limited clinical utility, um, and this is what uh, your instinct was, and that I found sort of interesting in the non-evidence-based healthcare check. Mm -hmm. If you had to guess, well, I mean, you saw the paper, but I'll tell you the number. I would, I 42 percent. Oh yeah, of their data file of their data sample. Um, this is just online, just going online and having people evaluate these things. This is a good test for grad students, mm -hmm. right? Um, is non-evidence-based health check. You don't seem surprised by that. You're looking at me like, is that consistent? Not very. Most of what I've seen, especially in the more sort of, I'd almost call it like a pop culture science kind mm -hmm. of way, there's always different markers that people throw out there. I mean, in the bodybuilding space that I'm very familiar with, I mean, mm -hmm. testosterone and, you know, you hear free radicals, like all kinds of things that aren't always... Um, Is creatine a big thing still? Oh, all these, huge. Uh, That's the main not one. Not just as a dietary supplement, but how about like a urine creatine test kind of thing? Oh, uh, I've never, I've never heard of the cre urine creatine test, but still the most popular supplement on the Is, market it, by far. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are so so when we talk about non-evidence-based health check, it's like it's people will so testosterone is one. Some people will look at like thyroid hormone mm -hmm. levels, um, and there's like a whole bunch of these things that are out there. Let me pull up the list of them. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's sort of like like why are you doing this? Like biological age tests where they measure um, glycans. <laughs> Uh, a bone health test, um, Q, coenzyme Q10 levels, which years years ago I think we did a program on that. Cytokine profile tests for I talked about fertility status, microbiome analysis, stool analysis. Um, you know, uh, there's some of them that do these wellness profiles, female fertility tests. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole bunch of these things out there that like, a point in time that you do this test. And it, the idea is you're supposed to get this information and then do something about it or mm -hmm. do nothing. And that's one of the, the risks that I, I want to get to is talking about these tests is, you know, you have people who are doing these things at home and deriving answers. Sometimes they start to treat things that are in diseases. Sometimes mm -hmm. they start to treat things that really don't do anything. Like a lot of those supplements really don't do anything. Like you don't know, how many people do you know that have um, a disease resulting from a vitamin deficiency? Examples okay. would be things like scurvy, 
Sure. You yeah. don't know anybody. I, I'm Not willing anymore. to bet, Josh, you don't know anybody with scurvy. Yeah. I'm willing to bet, Josh, you don't know anybody with night blindness. No, definitely I'm going to willing to bet, Josh, you don't know anybody with Berry Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm willing to bet that you don't know anybody um, who has, uh, what would be another, you know, um, uh, kinds of, or a vitamin D deficiency from rickets. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know anybody with rickets. So the idea that, you know, the general population in a first world country like the United States where food is a plenty and mm-hmm. 30% of our, of our, our, our society is clinically obese. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably don't have too many people with nutritional yeah. uh, vitamin and mineral deficits, but some of these things actually test for that. And the people take take all these supplements. Um, but I digress. So about 42% of these direct-to-consumer tests in that uh, $352 million a year market. It's probably higher now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because remember, people have gotten very comfortable with these in-house tests, especially after COVID. Yeah, the rapid tests. Right, a lot of these rapid tests. Now, Mm -hmm. the ones like the rapid tests would be in the highest level uh, those are the ones with clinic, the ones with potential clinical utility. Sure. If you test positive for COVID, it gives mm-hmm. you a sign that you could, like, go in and um, um, go see a doctor or mm-hmm. go to a hospital, whatever you need. You know, so you really are sick. We're not the, the, the striking thing to me is just the vast number. Um, the forty-two percent of the things on direct consumer marketing are non-evidence-based health checks, and a lot of them, a high, a high percentage of them, don't have any consultation. They don't have any kind of evaluation with somebody with perspective or any somebody with a, a, any sort of medical knowledge. Um, and that is fascinating to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the final category, which I, I want to talk about too, uh, which I found very, very interesting. The, the, the category is not recognized by the medical community as doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about 17%, mm-hmm. right? 16.7. Let's call it 17%, mm-hmm. right? So there were, that's the lowest level of proof category. Yeah. Mo- that, the number in that um, was 1.7 times higher than the potential clinical utility test. Yeah, yeah. So we're not looking at some sort of symmetric distribution here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at a distribution that's you're certainly skewed. If you imagine high clinical utility on the left, mm-hmm. the least way over to the right, you're looking at a distribution that's way skewed to the right mm-hmm. to things that are either testing for things that aren't legitimate or testing for things that have, yeah, you can measure this stuff, but nobody knows what it means, mm-hmm. or testing for things that are just quackery that mm-hmm. are just um so, sort of bogus and i i find that fascinating mm-hmm. you're going mm. what do you think it is, yeah it's, it's it's crazy that um especially with the cost of some of these things that people are willing to um you know throw hundreds of dollars at, yeah at these so, at-home so, tests. so let's let's look at some of this stuff so this paper was done in australia so it was done in um australian dollars but i did look up the conversion Sure. Just so to see. So one Australian dollar is about 66 cents. Okay. US. Not far off. One U.S. dollar is about 1.5 Australian dollars. Mm-hmm. To give you an idea of, of conversions kind of thing here. But they looked at the numbers here. And um, the, 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 these, these tests ranged from, you know, 13 Australian dollars up to almost 2,000 Australian dollars. Wow. Yeah. With the mean product cost about 200 Australian dollars and the median was about 150. Jeez. So it's it's a little bit skewed to the right, a little bit skewed to the higher thing. But you're right; people are spending hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. for these um, these kinds of tests. And uh, you know, of the products that were identified, uh, you know, uh, about only about half of them, um, you know, even even offer 
some sort of physician follow-up or some sort of debriefing or consultation. Mm-hmm. Imagine taking an in-home genetic test, like the average person. Sure. Remember, the average person in the United States mm-hmm. uh, or the median person in the U.S. does not have a four-year college degree. Mm-hmm. Even if they have a four-year college degree, the chances of them having taken a genetics not course are Bioinformatics, real, you know. <laughs> you know not, not, don't even know what that means, the average person. So remember, in, in New Jersey, where we are, the numbers are uh, uh, overall statewide are a little bit high. Mm-hmm. And we're in like 36 38% of uh, the people in New Jersey, adults in New Jersey, have uh, more than a two-year associate's degree. So mm-hmm. by the time you graduate from Ryder Josh, you are gonna be part of the educational elite. <laughs> Sounds good to um, me. Which is, a, which is a great thing. But the average person, or the median person, doesn't, um, doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. So imagine getting information, but having no clue about genetics, not understanding disease, not understand mm-hmm. probability. And something like Alzheimer's disease testing is a great example of um, understanding the disease process because you can test for an appropriate form of the APOE gene, which mm-hmm. increases the probability that you are going to develop Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Well, you're 20 something years old, Josh. Right. Mm-hmm. If I tested you at 20 something years old and you found out that you have a higher probability and no matter what number you attach to it, of developing Alzheimer's disease when you are 70 years old, mm-hmm. that's 50 years in the future. Yeah. Right. And so what do you do with that information without a pr- proper perspective of what's going on? And not only that, mm-hmm. if your risk profile is higher, it means it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just a marker. There's no intervention that's known to work. And there's so many lifestyle factors, too, that it's like... Well, that's that's part of the variability Mm -hmm. of the disease. I mean, part of it's lifestyle. Well, certainly if you have that way, so so maybe drinking a lot of things that interfere with brain function and like memory and cognition, Mm -hmm. like alcohol, you might not, you might want to try to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But it's a probabilistic statement for 50 years in this future, which no, there's no known intervention that's going to prevent it. So without that information, what do you do? The average person, I'm, I would argue, doesn't really know. We will continue this conversation, though, because I'm just getting started on Health 411 after some brief underwriting announcements. You're listening to 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Health 411 Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten by Capital Health. If someone you loved was sick, how far would you go to make sure they got the best care? Your mother, your sister, your best friend, your neighbor, your son? How far would you go for doctors who will meet with you longer so they really get to know you and who collaborate across disciplines so that they can devise a plan of care that's uniquely right for you? There's no doctor too far, no care too distant, that you wouldn't go there. And for more than 100 years, so has Capital Health. From our hospitals in Trenton and Hopewell, to our primary care offices all across Mercer, Bucks, and Burlington counties, to right here at Ryder University, Capital Health has the team of doctors, nurses, experts, specialists, and staff that you can count on to care as much about your loved ones as you do. Because you'd go to the ends of the earth if someone you loved was sick. And so do we, Capital Health. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Welcome back to Health 411. Josh and I are continuing our conversation about direct to consumer testing. Um, in the last segment, um, 
um, I got I concluded by saying some of this stuff you can test for. Um, I said, you know, and like we said, about 42 percent of these things are sort of like health tests or screening. And um, the one that came out top of my head is the Alzheimer's disease one where you can test. You, do, you can do a genetic test to see if you have an increased probability of developing, um, you know, a late on not familial, but the, sort of the more traditional old age kind of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But it's a probability. It's a risk. The average person doesn't understand statistics, doesn't increase don't understand you know what that risk means and then there's nothing that can be that can nothing that can be done to that mm-hmm. so you can be treating something right that may or may not exist 50 years in the future um yeah that i i find that I don't know, troubling i find that problematic i i almost look at it as predatory almost mm-hmm. i mean i'd be interested to see what you think do you think that um these companies are looking out Trying to swindle people, or do you think they're really? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing, think there's a but, lot to this well, test. Uh, you know? uh, why do you think people start these companies? Do you think uh, are they in the? If you talk to the people who are doing these things, um, they all say they want to help people. Sure. They all say that they want to improve people's ability to self-regulate, be in charge of your own health care, and those are all the catchwords and things related to that. The idea of personalized medicine is really big right now. Um, and those are all the catchphrases. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do people start these companies and advertise? And um, they're, they're not doing, I mean, they're doing it for these you know altruistic things. Mm-hmm. But in the end, what are they trying to do? Make money. Make money, <laughs> right? Um, you know, they're either trying to make money to make sure they have jobs, to, to uh, you know, uh, to do their fiduciary responsibilities to shareholders, um, if they're done by venture capital. It's, it's about making money, right? And so um, how many times do you see ads for sort of healthcare products or supplemental products on TV or the radio says this product is not designed to treat any bubble of disease. This mm-hmm. product has not been evaluated by the FDA. This kind of, even if some of these tests, um, and well, I'll, I'll bring this up too. How do you know the test is really testing for what it says it's testing for? Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, in the study that was done, out of you know, just under 500 direct-to-consumer tests, 51% of them did not report analytical performance of the test or laboratory accreditation. Mm-hmm. So it could, you know, somebody could have been collecting these test jobs and giving them to somebody like you and saying, "Hey, go in the laboratory and like, you know, follow, yeah. this, follow this protocol." Do you, you, you know what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. picking on you, but I'm saying half of them, half of the stuff that's out there. Um, there's no internal or external validity that the test is really testing what it says to test. And mm-hmm. I find that uh, as somebody who's been in labs and stuff like that, they're, they're not, you know, there's no context. And, and that's another thing that people have to be aware of is that um, if you're in a real science lab, you have internal controls when tests are done. You have between test measures of between test variability. You have... It within test variability, which you usually run replicates, mm-hmm. you know, at least two, three, sometimes four replicates of the same s- sample to, mm-hmm. to get some between assay and within assay variability, because you know you're not going to get exactly the same thing every time. Um, and so, what you do with these numbers and what you do with the things, I find for somebody who doesn't understand the science, who doesn't understand the physiology, um, without the validity of the tests, without you really know what's going on, I find that to be um, a problem too. Mm-hmm. 
One thing I thought was interesting too. I went to the uh, FDA's website and they have a whole page on directed consumer tests. Looks like cool. they only what, what did they say? They only even take a look at some of them. So some of them are FDA regulated, some aren't. And one thing I thought was really interesting was most direct to consumer tests for non-medical, general wellness or low risk medical purposes are not reviewed by the FDA before they are offered. So they don't even take a look before it hits the market. Some of them, after they're out for a while, get looked at, but most of these are just going under the radar. And why you're looking at me like you're surprised? Why are you surprised by that? I mean, I would just think it would fall under their purview, but I guess it doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, the the vast number of things out there, um, the F aren't even on the FDA F, uh, Food and Drug Administration's. Um, radar mm -hmm. until somebody complains or somebody something goes wrong or um, sometimes it's consumer fraud kind of things mm -hmm. so, so like not, it's not just like one person they have to be notified and activated and uh, in some cases the worst they can do is write a letter mm -hmm. well that's one big issue in the supplement industry as well um, real big thing with the FDA they don't look at most supplements at all so a lot of the time, a lot of athletes will get in trouble. They think they're just taking something from the local supplement store. Take it. It's totally normal, and it has some kind of banned or tainted substance in it, and they get banned from multiple games. Yeah, do you remember a guy named Mark McGuire? Oh, yeah. A baseball player? Oh, yeah. Really phenomenal baseball player. He didn't think he was so good he didn't need to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. But that that was one of his claims. Oh, yeah. I bought hear it this, all the time. I bought this stuff, like, in the drugstore. Mm -hmm. You know, it was being sold. It's like, you know, why am you know, what was the, what's the problem here? Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you know, you, you just don't know everything that, that, that's in these products. Um, and, and those, those, those are, uh, those are, those are certainly issues. Um, and I think, you know, and then that's one of the, the, the problems with this individualized healthcare and putting, uh, people more in charge of their own healthcare and making healthcare decisions of which this industry sort of takes advantage of because the thing is that you know is the idea that you can you can directly purchase these things and test for things that maybe you are embarrassed to see so mm -hmm. a positive thing is let's say you think you might have syphilis or gonorrhea or something like that um, and if you can do it in the privacy of your home own home test for the bacteria that cause um, those kind of disorders that's probably a good thing because then you can go out and seek you know treatment sure um kinds of stuff and and, and that's that's valuable for a, something that uh you might be embarrassed to go have checked out um beforehand or sort of on your own so there, there is some value there of doing it on your own um but for some of these things there's no known medical so okay so you hadn't you now have levels of you know maybe t3 and t4 of your thyroid hormones mm -hmm. out of a single point in time like what does that mean you now measured like LH, FSH, or some other you know hormone related to you know reproductive function. Mm -hmm. What you know the average person has no idea what to do with that. Let's move around all the time though. About any point in a given month, any point in a given day, time of day. Yeah. Whether you've just eaten, whether you've just exercised, whether you've just you know had sex, whatever it's mm -hmm. going to be. Um, yeah, it, there's there's a and how does the average person without any physiology interpret that stuff which is i i find um it's a it's a huge huge unknown um yeah um but you haven't even identified yet what i think is uh long term some of the biggest biggest problem with this direct consumer you're looking at me funny 
or, or, or have I not mentioned something that you think people should be aware of and problematic in this world of direct-to-consumer testing? Um, I mean, one thing that I think about is just how accurate they are at home. Like the, the average person doesn't have a whole lot of aseptic technique and not getting these things tainted. And um, are they getting a... Have you seen people in undergraduate college labs who are in like chemistry labs or bio labs? Oh have, yeah, with have, the pipette. Have, have, yeah, have you, have pouring you, it all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, <laughs> do you think the, the average person knows what they're doing for these kind of tests? I do not. Yeah, like I, 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 to show you what people think. Even if you look at the COVID test, do you ever look at the instructions for those things? Mm-hmm. They are so. It's like hold the tube at a forty-five degree angle. Mm-hmm. They try to make it so somebody with the, the minimalist amount of knowledge can, ac- can actually do them. Sure. Some of these tests probably have those kind of instructions. Some mm-hmm. don't. But so how it's done is, is a major issue. It's a major thing about uh, variability in the test. But that is not what I think mm-hmm. is the, the major problem with some of these tests. So what we're going to do is I'll tell you what the major problem is, and we'll come back in the next segment and do it. I think one of the major problems with the direct-to-consumer testing things is has to do with the information that's collected related to privacy and things like that. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to come back uh, to Health 411 for some brief underwriting announcements, and we're going to continue that conversation. You are listening to 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Health 411 Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten by Capital Health. If someone you loved was sick, how far would you go to make sure they got the best care? Your mother, your sister, your best friend, your neighbor, your son? How far would you go for doctors who will meet with you longer so they really get to know you and who collaborate across disciplines so that they can devise a plan of care that's uniquely right for you? There's no doctor too far, no care too distant, that you wouldn't go there. And for more than 100 years, so has Capital Health. From our hospitals in Trenton and Hopewell, to our primary care offices all across Mercer, Bucks, and Burlington counties, to right here at Ryder University, Capital Health has the team of doctors, nurses, experts, specialists, and staff that you can count on to care as much about your loved ones as you do. Because you'd go to the ends of the earth if someone you loved was sick. And so do we, Capital Health. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 1077thebronc.com and 107.7 The Bronc. We are recording Health 411 from the digital uh, Bronx studios on the Ryder University campus in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. And Josh and I are continuing our conversation about direct to consumer testing, DTC testing. These are the ability for people in the privacy of their own home to go onto the internet or maybe even go into a pharmacy and buy diagnostic tests and go home and test themselves. Sometimes they can send the sample in. Uh, Only about half of these have sort of a consultation with somebody who might be able to interpret or know what's going on. Um, And we were talking about some of the problems and some of the issues with the tests. Um, You know, everything from testing, you know, making sure you're measuring what you really are measuring, um, whether you have somebody to talk to, uh, whether you're, you're just giving a probabilistic outcome. But I don't think those are the biggest problems. I think the biggest problem with these these kinds of tests has to do with sort of privacy issues Mm -hmm. and the things that come out of them. Um, And uh, let me give you one example. Maybe I can stir you, uh, stimulate. So let's say you do one of these tests, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of, I'm sure that I've never done one, but one of these tests would say, 
in order, you know, there's a whole bunch of, by using of this test, you're going to allow us to use your information for research. By doing this test, uh, we are going to, you know, the thing is you have no control over who gets the information from this particular test. Sure. For example, let's say I screen for a marker, some sort of disease that I don't have yet, mm -hmm. right? Is that, does that test result now become somehow become a, a public digital record that's going to prevent me from getting health insurance down the road because mm -hmm. I, now I have the potential for a pre-existing condition. Mm -hmm. I think that's a major problem. Could be. Where do, who gets that information? Mm -hmm. How about not getting a job? Hmm. We don't want to hire you. You know, hey, Carp, we're not going to hire you because we see this test here that you did on your own 10 years ago mm -hmm. that suggests, you know, you're going to spend more time being sick than working for us. Hmm. You know, and, and I think the where that information goes is a major problem, even in some of these tests where you send in samples to these, you know, genetic related, you know. I don't know, pick out like ancestry.com or one, two, three, and me or whatever the whatever those things are called now. You know, and people create all these familial trees for the relatedness, but they have all this information and they can do genetic related trees sure. as well in terms of health. Mm -hmm. This pedigree analysis stuff, which I know that you've seen a little bit, which people do for diseases, mm -hmm. not just like who's your mom and dad and who your grandparents were. Um what are the implications for that long term? Well, I think you brought up a lot of good points. I also think um, you don't have as much recourse. You know, like what um, do you mean by recourse? in medical malpractice cases, you know, you have a specific doctor, you have a specific nursing staff. There's a healthcare system involved with this. You, you know, you have a website, but you don't really know who gave out your information. You don't really know who's in charge. I would just imagine any kind of lawsuit or recourse going terribly for you because they well, could just you, constantly well, pass the go? buck. So you did a test on your own and it said you had some sort of disease. So you started treating it on your own mm -hmm. and doing all these things on your own. What if that, what if it was a false positive Yeah, or a false negative, mm -hmm. right? You, what recourse do you have? Cause you did it all on your own. Nothing, nothing, nothing. you know, and it's, uh, it, and, and it's, it's, a, and it's, you know, <laughs> This is going to be, it's, it's, you know, trying not to be too critical, but we live in a country where critical evaluation of knowledge is pretty thin mm -hmm. right now. And I don't know if the tides are going to turn, um, but, you know, everybody wants to, you know, or a lot of people, don't everybody, but a lot of people want to bust up the system without mm -hmm. having a plan for another one or even understand the process. And there's a great movie called Don't Look Up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, seen it. But it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of the, how the public deals with scientific probabilities. And mm -hmm. they just don't want to deal with it. Um, and, and they ignore it. They look for alternative explanations of science and data um, and probabilistic stuff. Um, and that's, those are, you know, true positives. But it, when you do it, anytime you do any sort of diagnostic test, anybody who has taken a statistics course knows that not only are there true positives on the test, where, you know, you, you have the disease and you test positive, mm -hmm. but sometimes you have a disease and you test negative. Mm -hmm. Every test has, you know, false negatives. Mm -hmm. Similarly, sometimes you don't have a disease and you test negative and you go, true, true mm -hmm. negative, a great thing. But every test has a 
So you miss it, mm-hmm. right? You test negative, but it's like one of those things. I tested negative, but you you really have COVID. Mm-hmm. You really are pregnant, but you tested negative. And it could have to do with how you did the test, the quality of the test, the timing of the test relative to the pregnancy, because mm-hmm. you know, the levels have, you know, what they test for, uh, like human chorionic gonadotropin might not have gotten high enough yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these kinds of things that happen that lead to these you know, alternative outcomes that people have no idea what they're doing when they do this stuff at home. I find that fascinating and I find issues. I do too. In a, in a similar vein with um, people sort of being averse to science at times, um, what, do you, what do you think about the popularity of this test and people's potential disenfranchisement with healthcare as a whole? Do you think that that says anything <laughs> I think, about I think, um, people uh, just mistrusting? That's a, that's a really interesting question um, because there, there are political. There's a polit- some political movements consider healthcare a right, mm-hmm. right in our in our society, um, and, and that's it. it you know, not every country shares that. Not mm-hmm. every political party shares that. But some people think healthcare is a right, um, but other people are. Some of these people are also distrustful of the system. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of the, the one of the criticisms of, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act. It's going to interfere with you know. Uh, you know, capitalistic, you know, mm-hmm. society. It's going to government controlling every, yeah, yeah. everything you sort of do. Um, yet more and more people are assur- insured than ever before because of the Affordable Care Act and are getting are getting health care. Um, uh, so I think a lot of people uh, don't trust our health care system. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, what are they not trusting about it? Part of it related to this stuff is because I don't the people I don't think people understand mm-hmm. they don't understand probability they don't understand risk they don't understand um, some of the factors that lead to disease you know like it, you know <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna pick something that's sort of old and ancient but at one time there was a school of thought that said you know you could if you had HIV it'd be cured if you had sex with a virgin mm-hmm. I, I mean it's sort of ridiculous but you know there are people who come up with these crazy ideas. First of all, that's not true. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, but it's the idea that you know it's that, that people start believing these crazy things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this direct to consumer marketing feeds into that, because it, it sort of empowers people, but it empowers people in things that are not mainstream, not accepted medical beliefs, um, um, and people take action, and it's the outcomes could be sort of spooky. Mm-hmm. Potentially. So did I answer your question? I think so. In a little bit, I went off on some tangents. Hopefully, hopefully I came back to it, Josh. But (laughs) anyway, to to circle back to what we were talking about, this direct-to-consumer testing is a real thing. It's not going away. It's a booming business. It's probably, um, um, uh, there are probably a lot of untapped reserves out there, especially in our first world nation here where people have the freedom to sort of do this sort of stuff um, in other in other countries that may not have you, you might not be worried about something that happens years down in the future or your thyroid hormones if you're worried about you know food or shelter or sort of these proximal needs um, but we live in a society that has a lot of this stuff that's huge marketing kind of things anybody can market anything um, it's sort of in the world, like, you know, all these personal trainers out there, each of them are just talking about things that they did on their own. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they really understand or have a physiologic, the physiology or the scientific background to interpret or to understand these sort of things, not to pick on that profession, but it's sort of an example of that. So it's, you know, buyer beware. I hope people, anybody 
listening does not jump into these things and would use any of these direct-to-consumer tests um, judiciously and after reflecting. Um, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this program. Um, this is 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. We are recording live from the Digital Bronx studios. Thank you for listening to our program, Health 411. This program is part of Capital Health and Rider University's efforts to bring people together to address issues associated with all aspects of health and health care. I hope today's conversation with Josh has given you some things to think about, a direct-to-consumer tests and hopefully we'll, we'll identify them and recognize them for what they are and have you something to think about. If you have questions or comments about this program or want to make suggestions for future broadcasts, please email us at health411 at rider.edu. Remember, you have a doctor's appointment scheduled for every Sunday at 10 a.m. Don't miss the all-new Health 411 with Dr. Jonathan Karp and our expert medical guest from Capital Health. You can listen to Health 411 anytime on demand. Go to 1077thebronc.com slash health411 to listen to past episodes or tune in every Thursday at 9 a.m. to hear the Weekend Rewind edition of Health 411. Health 411 on 1077thebronc is underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff as well as advanced technology.